You are listening to a no-show radio production. Mind your ears while we unpack the unusual. This is the strangest story I have ever heard. Take a seat, grab a drink, and listen to my words. Tuning in to First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And I am Spencer. Hooray! And today, we're changing the game again. After the emotional release that was Arrested Development Season 5, that's really all that episode became, we decided we wanted to watch some shows that we really have been meaning to watch, but still, only the pilot. So I actually got to pick my own show, Spencer got to pick his own show, and I don't think either of us have seen these reciprocal shows, so I'm sure describing the plot in this is going to be hellish, and I'm very excited for it. What, um, what did you pick, Spence? I picked Californication. Why? Why'd you pick Californication? Because David Duchovny's in it, and it's about a writer. You know what's super funny? Is that hmm. I've had not Californication, like, it just now realized, I thought you watched Hung, not Californication. And so, like, I've had the hung promo poster in my brain. I'm like, this is weird. I didn't really realize Spencer would be into this kind of show, but okay, sure. Nope, nope. I just now realized what show you've been talking about. You just now realized <laughs> it's it's Fox Mulder starring as Sad Dad, at Sad Dad writer trying to keep <laughs> his girls together. It's, oh, man. You know what? I've kind of been confused. I'm like, sure you could have fucking watch a show about a gigolo i didn't realize that was your thing but okay man yeah let's change pace no no this is way more on brand for you it's so on brand but we'll get to that <laughs> ask me gosh yeah you want me you want me to ask okay i'm needy ask hey, me hey alex what hey, did you Spence. watch i watched orphan black i saw a lot of stuff about this way back in the day when it was on like tumblr and mm-hmm. All I had from it was gift sets. So, like, I never had voices to it. And it was weird going and seeing the, it without or with voices. And that's just a silent mm-hmm. film presented by Tumblr. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of shows I've been meaning to watch have been on Tumblr. The hell mm. site that it is. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, I really want to make you go first. Because I'm I very excited. First. Will you? Oh, yeah. shit. You're excited. I, okay. Yeah, I will super do that. So, Californication was a show that came out in 2007. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that would have been when I was in sixth or seventh grade. I don't know the month that it came out, but I was middle of middle school. This was not a show for me to be watching back then. You were so young. Like, this this show fucking opens up. And, like, so it wasn't on HBO or anything, but they went, they pressed the limits of, like, TV nudity. The show is about Hank Moody, who is basically, like, this one-hit wonder writer. He's, like, almost, like, everyone who knows him as a writer thinks he's, like, this soulful edgelord. <laughs> In reality, he just, he's just some schmuck. And, basically, one of his better books got adapted into a really shitty rom-com. Like, it was, like, this edgy, like, social commentary book that's now, like, a shitty rom-com about a dog. So, he's making mad cash, but all of his art's dead, and he hasn't written anything in years. His not wife, because he never married her, because they were being artsy like that. <laughs> they broke up. She took the kid. They don't really have, like, a custody agreement. It's just, like, they're, they're like, cool parents that have, like, this, like, spoken agreement with the well-being of their child. And she is off marrying uh, what he describes as, like, a human dial tone. She is she's marrying rich publisher man who is just boring and shitty and white and (laughs) so most of the first episode is spent sort of establishing this but they establish it pretty well 
he he drives an like an old convertible like once upon a time this was cool but it's not like old enough to be a classic it's like a shitty's like late 90s convertible that he still drives and it's all dirty and shit and he doesn't try he has kind of a charisma that comes from a place of like haha sarcasm i don't care but it's not like malicious edgelord anime i don't care it's like an actual honest to god can't bring himself to give a fuck about anything and in california that gets you laid like fucking crazy so a lot of the show is about him hating himself and hating the space he's in and that attitude because he has that attitude he has a bit of money he's not like rich but like he's he's just like He's basically unemployed. Like, he, he just, he doesn't really have a job other than I used to be a writer. And he just goes around, and while his significant other is moving on, and his daughter is reaching adolescence, and, like, he has just nothing going for him except this movie that everyone's like, oh my god, it was so great, and he thinks it's a fucking pile of shit. He just goes around and just passively gets laid all the goddamn time. <laughs> But it's in a way that's like, they showed up in a way that's not really sexy. Because of the way he behaves during sex, you can tell that like he is just doing this to feel some sort of connection to anybody. And gosh, it, it just, it's weird that you see a TV show that does nudity, but does nudity in a way that's still like nudity and sex scenes, which normally turn me off, but in a way that like really focuses on him. And the fact that he's just kind of along for the ride, that he's just kind of, like, bobbing along the sea, like, he doesn't have any control, he's just doing this because it presented itself. I really thought, just from the promotional stuff that I'd seen, that Hank Moody was going to be this horrible jackass and it was going to be bad dad, not sad dad. <laughs> they flipped that script on its head. Not really. He is an awful goddamn human being. Um... In the sense that, like, he, this is 2007, but, like, just joking around, like, he uses speech you're not allowed to use anymore. Like, it's never malicious, but he just doesn't have a filter. Mm -hmm. He's, um, in, in a constant effort to, like, entertain and be sarcastic. He says shit that he doesn't actually mean that comes off as, like, super cruel. Every scene ends up with him accidentally pissing someone off. So he is, like, not a great dude. But he doesn't relish in that fact. He just happens to be a great dude, and, or not a great dude, and he's very self-aware of that. And it, like, makes him anxious in all these dealings that he has with people. So, you know, of course, he has his, his best buddy, who's his agent, who wants him to write. He has his wife, who... who is she played by? Natasha. It's something... It's like Mikkelhon? It's Mick, like mcdonald or whatever but it's like mick elhone so it's like half irish half swedish it's like gosh what did she do i think she was like it's weird she has like a really specific accent mm -hmm. and i recognized it she is a prominent voice actor <laughs> in the fucking castlevania games like the I new ones that's all i knew her from okay Okay. Like, it's weird. A lot of these actors, like, even David Duchovny is a nobody at this point, but it feels like a show that's, like, built off of, like, really talented folks you haven't really heard of. I would say outside of David Duchovny, the most recognizable person is the agent's wife. She was pretty prominent for, like, a side character, and she's played by Pamela Adlin. I was gonna say, I just pulled up the cast because now I have to know. Um, yep. Okay, so I recognize her face, uh, Natasha... McKellen. Uh she was actually in Designated Survivor, which I've seen recently. See, I didn't see that. I wanted to. That that should have been what I watched instead of Californication. She was on the Truman Show. Oh boy, she was on Fear.com. I don't know any of these things. Why that would have stick out to me. Fear.com is an awful horror movie. Do not watch it. Got it. Outside of David Duchovny, Pamela Adlon is like, or Adlon. I think she says it Adlon. She is. Like, it's one of those things where it, it's how she does it when she's in any fucking show where she's a side character, but she steals the show. Can I sideline you real quick? Do it. She voiced Ashley Spinelli in Recess. Pamela Adlon did. Oh, oh yeah, she did. She voiced Bobby Hill. Yeah, she like does a lot of voice acting. Yeah, um, and cool. she has her own show now. 
because she was like a really prominent character in some other show that's not funny anymore. <laughs> and now she's now she has her own version of that called Better Things, where it's like it's that same style as that not funny show where she basically just plays herself with her okay. like with her daughters. Sounds sitcom. And it's sitcomy, but in the same style as that one show and like Marin and stuff, where it's like it's shows about comedians, but they're, like, taken as, like, dramas. Gotcha, gotcha. But hers is really good because it's, like, it's, like, a laid-back kind of, like, bummy single mom who's just, like, trying to keep her teenage daughters together. And there's, there's like, many, like, that's another show that if no one's seen it, you should go fucking watch because <laughs> it's really good how often she's just, like, trying to be a good mom and then stuff, they all just start talking. She's like, you know what? Fuck this. Go away. Get away from me. God, I watched the first season of that show and forgot about it. I should go back. There's apparently a whole bunch of seasons now. But right now we're talking about Californication. Are we? I think so. Yeah, okay, what else? Uh, the daughter. The daughter is uh, Madeline Martin. She has been in stuff, but she's more like a voice actress? Like, this is gonna be weird. So, she has been on shows, but shows I don't recognize, like Hemlock Grove. Mm -hmm. um, but the daughter has, like, a really distinct voice. She was Jojo from Jojo's Circus on Disney Channel. <laughs> that weird, like, ragdoll puppet thing. Okay. And she was the voice of Fiona, um, fucking gender-bent Finn from Adventure Time. Ah, oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah, she, like, because she has, like, a really distinct voice. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's, it's like, a cast of folks that, like... Cast of fucking voice actors. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's really good in that way. Like there, there are scenes, at least in the first episode, where like you, they really sell who these characters are supposed to be, and I really, really enjoy that. Hank is on the brink of something. Like he fell pretty far, and it seems like this is going to be the story of him trying to climb back up, not like him wallowing at the bottom. Mm -hmm. His daughter, like, there's a really good scene near the end where. Hank gets drunk and passes out, and then, like, he has custody of his daughter that weekend, and his daughter, like, tucks him in and rolls him up, because, like, his daughter is, like, she's, like, 12, but she's really mature, where she just has this idea that, like, dad doesn't have anything anymore outside of me. Me being here is not for him to take care of me, it's for me to take care of him. Oh. And it's like, oh. And obviously Hank is still in love with his past significant other. They have a lot of chemistry. Like, I was surprised. A lot of the time, like, TV romances don't hit me, but, like, it really felt like, hey, these people used to be madly in love and now they resent each other. But also, that flame always will exist. And it's like, they they captured a lot of that in their performances. And I thought David Duchovny was going to be really stiff in this mm -hmm. because he seemed to just be channeling Mulder. But as the episode went on, it's like, he's not channeling Mulder, he's channeling, like... How Mulder could approach, like, monsters and aliens without giving a shit. This is Hank Moody approaching life and his own well-being without giving a shit. But for all the stuff that he doesn't give a shit about, he does care about Karen and his daughter. And he has a really hard fucking time expressing that in healthy goddamn ways. And I fucking love how flawed he is because he's not like romantically flawed he's just like a fucked up individual that's like really far up his own ass but is like sort of self-aware enough of that fact to hate it and he's one of those characters that i feel like it's like don draper where like a lot of people idolized him even though it's like no the point is that you're supposed to feel sorry for this man mm -hmm. i feel like hank moody is a person that a lot of edgelords like we're like, oh yeah, Hank Moody. And it's like, he is a great character, but you do not want to be this man. <laughs> and because this man does not want to be this man. Like he he want like he wants to be different. He's just stuck in who he is. And it's so far it's really good. And the hardest thing about having to do it as an episode is that I haven't been able to watch more, and I really, really, really want to watch more. Okay. Should I should I do any more? God, who is it written and directed by? Do you want to know that? I mean, I'm always a nerd for that shit. So the writer, the writer for the pilot is a man named Tom Capino. Ooh, he's written some trash. He is a <laughs> uh, prominent writer for Lucifer. He okay. wrote a bunch for Dawson's Creek. He wrote a movie called Dead People. Mm. 
he wrote a show called um white famous yeah no that's a standing out yep none of this so besides fuck lucifer <laughs> so fuck him <laughs> he uh okay so let's let's go find the other guy this, this is the director oh he looks bland what did he Ooh! oh shit oh shit he directed a bunch of predator movies what the fuck <laughs> fuck yeah nice <laughs> Yeah, oh, he he did some sort of spin-off of 24. Okay. Uh he did stuff for uh, House of Lies. He only directed the pilot for Californication. That seems to be a, yeah. kind of a reoccurring trend. A there's a lot of different directors in TV shows which I never realized, but also mm -hmm. like they usually get a big name director for the first episode and then it kind of peters off to other people. Yeah. He like he uh he's done a lot for 24. Yeah, he directed Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Predator 2, Tales from the Crypt. He, he did a bunch of episodes from that. He did Lost in Space. Wow, this fucking guy. That's all I have. I, there's, there's not much else to say other than the show is good. Go fucking watch it. Well, good thing I got questions for you. Good. Uh, I, and it might be repeats. I don't, I don't know, man. We'll find out. So there's two things I want to discuss. One, yep. why do you love Sad Dad? Have we discussed this on air? Um, I don't think so. I don't know if I have... Okay, so that's like question one is Sad Dad, uh, and then two, and maybe this isn't the greatest time to talk about it in the sense of, I'm not sure, whatever, talking about character types like Don Draper and Hank Moody and even fucking Rick and Morty, like the idea oh, of these yeah. edgelords, of these characters that you're really not supposed to sympathize with, and then we see a culture idolizing them, and I feel like you probably have thoughts on that, maybe? I don't, like, I don't have a good launching point besides, like, that sounds interesting to talk about, and I want to talk about it, I just don't know where to go. So whichever one... <laughs> okay so sad dad i don't know that i have an answer for that i like okay. i respect the shit out of my own dad and i don't think he's a sad dad well i think maybe he is but i think i like that archetype of kind of that stereotypical like someone who is supposed to be a strong support pillar for their family and is failing at that and like having that journey of like how do you figure that out or how do you deal with the aftermath of having failed that? Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's just a theme that I like playing with quite a bit. Yeah, I, I write a lot of sad dads. Yeah, you do. I uh, And you do it very well, I will say. I think that's the thing. It's like, I don't always repeat characters, but I do repeat themes. As far as idolizing, and I was about to say shitty characters. They are not shitty characters. No. A lot of them are like... A lot of them are really well written, but like Don Draper is the one I've delved the most into. Mm -hmm. So Don Draper's story, and this is going to be weird coming from, you know, someone who grew up in a very conservative household, but a lot of Mad Men is a story largely influenced by toxic masculinity in a way that's very self-aware of that and trying to teach people about that in some ways. Don is a very, very, very sad man. And that does not give him justification for the things that he does, but it does influence the things that he does. He is attractive and he is witty, and those are his only weapons, and, like, he uses them however he can. And, and it helps him in his career, but it also helps him, like, that's how he gets with the ladies. It's not that he's, like, a man's man. It's that he's basically, like, using his arsenal to try and feel something rather than fix himself. God, his character... What is it? The season seven trailer? It's my favorite goddamn trailer for any aspect of television ever. Mm -hmm. It's the uh, change the conversation trailer. And it is, it's not of that season. It is a hypercut of every single time someone close to Dawn has told him what an outright piece of shit he was. <laughs> and in the moment, it's always like they, they scream at him and then they walk off and he kind of like shrugs his shoulders and walks away. But it shows every single one of those things hitting him. And it's not that he shrugs them off. It's that he, he's not phased because he already knows it and he already believes it. And it just shows him with each fucking comment. He's just curling up into the fetal position on his couch in his office, like trying to shut out the world. And it's like fucking brutal. It's so good. And you have so many people that want to channel him because of his style and because of how cool he is. But that character like that's all a defense mechanism for the character like spoiler alert don does not like himself spoiler alert the last episode is don making a massive change in his life to go like be someone better because he doesn't like who he is and 
if the character doesn't like who he is, then, like, maybe you don't have to either. Like, it, it's, I think people idolize him for surface-level things, just like they, they idolize Rick for surface-level things. Like, oh, Rick Sanchez, he's so funny, and oh, he doesn't give a shit, and oh, he's so much smarter than everyone. But a running theme through Rick and Morty is that Rick doesn't know shit. He's really smart, but he doesn't understand people or how people work. Mm -hmm. Like, the running theme is that, like, very clearly he has no grasp on his family, and very clearly he cares about the people close to him. He's just a shit, like, shitbag, and, like, every time someone tries to break him down or tries to make him admit his feelings, he, he like, makes a fucking disarming joke about how stupid they all are, and it's like, he knows science, and that's it. He has no grasp on anything. But then it's like, oh, yeah, but he had that episode where he almost killed himself. It's like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's like a sad character, but that doesn't make him, like... Like, you can be sympathetic towards him, but being sympathetic doesn't, like, excuse actions. Like, don't be like Rick. Rick is trying not to be as Rick as he is. Like, don't try to be Dawn, because the last episode is Dawn going somewhere to, like get back in touch with himself. I... I am so fucking surprised that Haley has never seen Mad Men. I'm not. The fucking thing ends in a monastery. Yeah, well, that's seven seasons, right? Yeah. To fucking like, get there. <laughs> but even just knowing that, and like, oh gosh, I don't know. Like, it's... And Mad Men has its fucking lulls, but... Why? Um, and how? Yeah. But like... I don't know, Mad Men is the story of all these guys who, like, sat around in suits drinking whiskey, talking about how cool they were, and then it's, like, the slow, like, de-evolution of, like, wow, that's a fucking facade. Like, this, this isn't who, what real men are. Like, what the fuck is this? Like, we're just getting drunk and banging people and not dealing with our emotions. Like, you, you have, like, like, even Pete has that good ending where he goes back to his wife and he apologizes for everything he's ever done to hurt her. And he just, like, Pete, this fucking weasel, this shitbag, leaves everything behind because he just wants to go off and be with his family and give them a new start. And it's like, fuck yeah, Pete. Fuck all the people who want you to die or whatever in this show about a business. I, uh, I don't think I have it for our first season, but next season I definitely want us to do kind of like how we did with arrest development of doing a deep dive on Mad Men because I know we both have good thoughts on it. It's is a good show. <laughs> it's a good show. So I don't want us to like keep going too much on it. Like that might be a good teaser. John might cut it out depending on how far we get into this episode. But at the very least, our Patreon people are going to listen to it. So yeah, <laughs> man, I'm yeah. Like like you said, I don't want to get too much into other shows, but definitely in that theme of that question you asked, people idolizing. Mm -hmm like bad people as characters like i think i talked about that with um with hannibal like people idolizing like these sophisticated anti-hero bad guys and it's like don't don't walter white was a shitbag like in the last episode he admits he was a shitbag and it's good that nobody in his family respected him Again, like, someday we're gonna talk about breaking bad and we're gonna talk about the fucking skylar effect and I'm yeah. very excited for it. <laughs> oh, it's going to be so good. I'm so glad that you called it the sky. <laughs> <laughs> so I have one more question, I realized. Yep. Uh, along the lines of the you liking Sad Dad. It clicked for me that Sad Dad, Bad Dad are really close. Uh, and, yes. and I I know I personally confuse the two. And I think maybe I may be more of a fan of Bad Dad than Sad Dad. Or maybe like Bad Dad with the influence of Sad Dad. Anyways, can you define Sad Dad, Bad Dad? Because I'm sure we'll bring up Sad Dad almost every episode, somehow. <laughs> so, Bad Dad can be a lot of things, I guess. But, like, I thought Bad Dad was going to be Hank Moody doesn't give a shit. And he just, he goes around banging broads and drinking booze and making, like, shitty, like, statements about the world and how things are. And, uh, I don't know, like, I, I thought it was going to be, um, way different. I thought he was going to be a Bad Dad, which a Bad Dad is just someone who is normally written poorly. like. Bad Dad is normally just a shitty father. Okay. What I find with Sad Dad is Sad Dad is someone who used to be... So that's another thing. The opening and the endings to every episode of Californication are taken from the perspective of him narrating over what seem like... like I, I think maybe they're not canonical. Maybe they're like supposed to be like things that he wishes were happening, but like home movies of his family okay. and him like narrating over them. Like, he is not over this. Like, 
that's still his family. Like, even though they've all moved on without him. Like, that's what matters. So Sad Dad normally has... Normally they have failed as a father, or they're starting to fail as a father, but they have, like, a strong desire to pull it back in some way, or they feel, like, remorse in a way that affects their character. Sort of like a drunken, shitty playboy dad versus, like, a drunken, shitty playboy dad that doesn't relish in the fact that he's that. It, there, there's subtle differences, but, like, there are just fathers in shows that are just written to be shitty and they don't, like, have redeeming aspects of them. Like, Hank Moody is a bunch of bad things, but he also, like, goes out of his way to, like, do right by his daughter. Like, he'll drop things, like, randomly. Like, there, there's a scene where he shows up to pick his daughter up from school and he's not wearing pants he left in such a hurry. Oh. And, and he just, like, leans into it. But, like, like, so, like he, he's a fucking mess, but he's trying. Whereas, I can't think of good examples of Bad Dad because they're not memorable. So, not I guess part of the reason I, I, I thought of the cross between Bad Dad, Sad Dad, right? The main character yeah. in Happy, where I Ooh, feel like he, okay. ha he has the potential for Bad Dad, right? He has those lines like, fuck this world, I'm going to do what I want, I'm going to drink, I'm going to do all this awful stuff. But he ends up as Sad Dad. He ends up as Sad Dad. I think for a long while he is Bad Dad, and I think the transition into Sad Dad is, like, when he finally kind of comes to terms with, like, needing to save her for the sake of save her because she's your fucking daughter. Like, no, you don't need another reason. Just, yeah. Because now I'm worried that I recommend Sad Dad movies. I'm like, oh man, I think I'm rec recommending Bad Dad movies because I enjoy Bad Dad. At least the transformation of Bad Dad to Sad Dad more than just straight Sad Dad. Yeah, I think, I think Bad, like... Bad dads and sad dads can, like, change from one to the other. Like, I think, I think Don Draper is a bad dad for a long while. Mm -hmm. And I think he becomes a sad dad when he's, like, trying to win back his kids and they all fucking hate him at that point. Oh my god, him, him <laughs> bringing his fucking kids to, like, the whorehouse he grew up in. And just <laughs> him standing there and, like, like, he just wants to share with them some part of his life because he's been so fucking closed off and so secretive. And he just, like, there's no context to it. He just wants to see it and he wants them to be a part of that. And, ah, uh, ah, uh, <laughs> what a good character. Not like, not a guy to idolize in any other sense other than idolize him because he wanted to change and because he did change. But, like... Oh, gosh, I don't know. There's so much to talk about. It's such a rabbit hole. I know. I, I'm sorry I keep getting you off track. It's just like, you know, it's fun talking about the show, but I like talking about it's the so stuff that goes behind it, too. So yeah. it's, it's, it's inevitable that we will go off on tangents, but I think what's good for your producer to take note of is what shows you have a massive interest in, so I can write those down. Totally. As if I didn't know Mad Men was a fucking weak spot of yours. It's it's not like Arrested Development where I can keep going back and watching it over and over, but I think I've watched through it three times, Mad Men, and it's... I think I'm one and a half at this point. I started watching it before the move, and then I never went back to it. Uh, do you want to talk about Orphan Black? Um. All right. So, Orphan Black. I do not have as concise of a plot description. Uh, I, in fact, most of these are bullet points, and I thought about trying to stumble through and like make it sound pretty. I think I'm just going to go through my bullet points. I think it's going to be more fun. And I'll try to clarify along the way, and we will see how it goes. So first off, Orphan Black was made in 2013, ran through 2017, so I had a pretty decent little run. When I looked up the creators, it's like a team of eight people. There were a lot of people involved in the writing and everything. Usually it's like one or two, right? In the, at least our past few episodes, it's been like, oh yeah, that's the main person. No, there's a slew of people that worked on Orphan Black. The pilot episode was not named Pilot. I always feel like that's important to know. In fact, it was called Natural Selection. The director of the episode was John Fawcett, who I'm sure we all recognize his wonderful directing abilities from uh, when the Dresden Files got a very brief TV show. He directed episode seven, super memorable. He also directed some episodes in Xena, the Warrior Princess. So, you know his work is quality. The writers on this like, pilot episode in particular were Gray Mason and also John Fawcett. And I was looking up their like past work and buddy, like I got nothing. I, I pulled it up briefly just to see if like, maybe there's like one thing off the wall. And I feel like I should at least say something, right? Because just because I don't recognize it doesn't mean someone else doesn't recognize it. But buddy, being Erica, Endgame, Flashpoint, The Bridge, Rent-A-Goalie, Crazy Canucks, nothing too good for a cowboy. Like, it just is not a whole lot that stands out to me. 
if you've seen any of those shows, let us know. Let us know if we should watch them. <laughs> but that's really all I have for creative team. So Spencer, are you ready for my bullet points of this show? Go for it. Okay. Oh, so yeah. the, the main character name is Sarah, and she is a drug dealing babe. It starts with her on the train, talking to someone on the phone, saying, hey, I really want to see Kira. Kira, I'm guessing, is her daughter. And it does not go well. And she's getting mad on the phone. Person hangs up and she looks at this train station and sees someone pacing the ground, walking, sobbing. Not good. And then this woman, it's a woman that's crying, starts to take off her shoes. That's not good. That's never a good sign. She takes off her nice business jacket. That's not good either. Lays it down. She looks over at Sarah and they look identical. Whoa. She then, and her sobbing mess, jumps in front of a moving train. Bomber about that mystery. But Sarah, being the good drug dealing babe that she is, of course loots her bag. Before, rather than checking on the obviously dead woman, she's like, oh, hey, look at this purse. I'm going to steal it so that way I can find out who this person is that looks exactly like me. So I feel like she would thrive in a D&D campaign. Take the boots. You never know when you might need them. Turns out the girl that jumped in front of the train, her name's Elizabeth. Scene cut. We see Sarah at a bar with her gay best friend, Felix, who Felix is a fucking treat. Let me tell you, I, uh, barring recent associations with the name, I... I think they do a really good job of making uh, a feminine man and a queer character without it being like, hey, motherfucker, do you get it? He's gay. I just I feel like he's very well-rounded and well-written. They're sitting there drinking some drinks and then Sarah's just like, oh, hey, here's this big bag of Coke. Do you fucking want it? Negotiation, negotiation. Felix eventually takes it. So now that you know you have a clone, why wouldn't you go to their house and see what's up? Naturally. And this is when we get into the territory of tropes that I fucking love. Give me good fucking con men slash thieves doing what they do best. I love it a whole, whole bunch. And essentially, as she's wandering through this dead woman's apartment, she is realizing that she has a partner who is out of town for the weekend. And she realizes that this woman, Elizabeth, has $75,000 in a banking account. So she's like, huh, well, I already look like her. So what if I look and talk like her and go get this money? She dyes her hair, she dresses all nice, prim, and proper. Sarah herself has an English accent, and Elizabeth is American. So she's like, okay, awesome. I'm gonna get all this money. I'm gonna go kidnap my daughter, and Felix, you're coming with me. Of course, Felix is like, whoa, hold on. Let's maybe not go that far. There's a reason you left your kid with Mrs. S. That's the only name that we get with Kira and Mrs. S. So Sarah's like, it's gonna be fine. Don't be such a wimp. Goes to the bank. She, through all her little contracts, is able to convince the man that she is definitely Elizabeth, that she definitely wants to take out all this money that's not suspicious whatsoever. And oh yeah, my car doesn't work anymore, so I need to repin it. Fucking, fucking rogues are great. I love them. Uh, and she's like so quick on picking stuff up too, where she's trying to, not just like flirting, like I'm pretty, so you should give me what I want. It's like her picking up on little cues happening around her. So in this case, she's like, hey, what if you do me this solid, well, I'll sponsor this race for you because behind him is a bunch of running trophies. And he's like, oh, yeah, I could totally, totally do that. This is a good bargain. Sure, 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 sure. Do you also want to see your safety deposit box? Yes. Yes, I do. She nods her head. Goes to the safety deposit box. Only thing that's in it is a folder with a bunch of paperwork with a bunch of different names. There is, let's see, Allison, Katya, and, and Elizabeth's papers are in, in there. And Katya is from Germany. Elizabeth's American. And I can't remember where Allison's from. But like you can tell they're all different countries, different like social security cards and such. I lost my place. Um, so she's like, sweet. I have my safety deposit box information. He's going to get me my money in 24 hours instead of like the week it was normally going to take because I know how to trick people to give me what I want. And as she's walking on back to her dead clones, I'm guessing clone or twin something, apartment, a black car cuts her off. Something I completely forgot to mention. In Elizabeth's bag, there's two cell phones. There's one with a pink cover and there's one with just a black, like a black cover. And the... Black phone keeps ringing from someone named Art, and then the pink phone keeps ringing from someone unknown. The black car cuts her off, and she he's like, you need to get in the car right now! I can't believe you're late! Where were you? You were supposed to meet me! So she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, uh, of course, person that I definitely know. They get in the car, and she looks down, there's more paperwork. Again, she's just picking up on little clues happening here and there. She's like, oh, this is Detective Arthur so-and-so. I'm gonna guess that's Art. Okay. Turns out, uh, Elizabeth is a cop. Specifically, she's a detective. and. As she is being taken to the police station to give a report, turns out uh, she, Elizabeth, shot a civilian. And she has to now, of course, go through the investigation process and give her a review and like, explain what happened. And so since at the time, 
Sarah, posing as Elizabeth, has no idea what's going on. She goes to the bathroom, chugs a bunch of fucking bathroom hand soap, and then pukes all over the table. Fucking baller. I just, that is thinking on your feet, and that's something I bet she's done before, because that came way too quick to her. She ends up going to see her therapist, her therapist meaning Elizabeth's therapist, and that's when she like, finds out about the shooting, and she's like, oh yeah, no, I just, my brain's so fuzzy right now, I can't remember anything, can you help me out? And it's like, it's just really good at pulling out information, again, to get what she fucking wants. So she gets out of this investigation thing because she's her tummy's sick, obviously. That happens when you drink a bunch of fucking soap. Meanwhile, as if that like, whole storyline isn't confusing and twisted enough, we have Felix. Felix is in the background, hanging out. No big deal. He's the one that ends up going to the corner, or the corner? The place where the dead bodies, and goes to ID the body. Because not only is Sarah dressing up as Elizabeth, she's officially killing Sarah. Felix goes in and is like, oh, yep. That is Sarah. My best friend, Sarah. That is her body. So Sarah is no longer in the fucking picture. She is dead. Sarah is just full on taking on Elizabeth's identity, which is very extreme. But hey, I mean, if you found out you had a double and they're dead and you held a lot of money, why wouldn't you? Felix also keeps getting a visit from this guy named Vic, who is the drug dealer that Sarah works for. And he knows that Sarah stole a bunch of money, a bunch of money, a bunch of cocaine, and is beating up Felix trying to figure it out. But Vic is a little manic, I guess we could say, where it's he's he's very angry about the coke thing, but also they all clearly are very close friends or were at some point. And and when Vic finds out about Sarah's death, quote unquote, he is completely distraught. There's a scene where he comes back to Felix's apartment and he has like a beat up face and he's like leaning his head against the, the wall and picking up the paint. And Felix is like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? Get out of here. He's like, yeah, I just I'm so sad. Now that Sarah's gone, nothing matters anymore. And it was just crazy seeing at the first part of him beating up Felix. And now it's like clear that Felix is the only person he feels comfortable with talking about his emotions to. Very interesting dynamic in that sense. So that's kind of going on in the background. And they decide that they need to throw an in memoriam for Sarah, despite Sarah absolutely not wanting that to happen. Sarah, now escaping the investigation, goes back to her house and finds her partner there home early. So what do you do when there's a partner there who you don't know and is asking a lot of questions like, hey, your hair's longer. Hey, you're wearing the Clash shirt. You don't like the Clash. Of course you fuck him on the kitchen counter. Why wouldn't you? Right? That's just the natural first reaction we all have. But she ends up peacing out, leaving him in the morning, saying like, oh yeah, no, I got him going to the gym. Bye. Don't touch me. Grabs a car keys, takes off. But guess what? Detective Art, who is her fucking partner, is like, this is suspicious and has been tailing her. And continues to tail her. She finds out about the in memoriam and she goes to spy on her own funeral. Again, who fucking wouldn't? If you, okay, Spencer, if you were a sociopath and you could plan your own funeral and watch it happen, would you? I know there's a whole lot of ifs in there, but would you want to witness your own funeral after you um, faked your death? No. Really? I, I, I would not risk that and I would not want to see my family grieving over me. Man, I probably should go see a therapist. I don't know. I think it'd be mad interesting. I want to see who shows up. I, I don't. See- <laughs> um, well, thank you for your honest opinion. I, I, feel, I feel better about myself knowing that I'm, I'm the absurd one in the group. You're not absurd. I, I, think, it's, I think that's like a super common fantasy. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's totally fair. I don't think you're crazy for that. I just think I have, I have had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have Spencer? Spencer. Mm-hmm. Have you have you thought about planning your own death? Like I, fake? Like in a big con to go take someone else's identity? Not in a big con, no. Okay, well this was supposed to be a joke. That was supposed to be the funny part. Don't make it serious. Oh, oh <laughs> yes. Yes, the joke cons. So I'm not making fun of suicide. That shit's nasty. Nasty and awful, and please go get help if you need it, general public. Recover from that fucking foot and mouth. Fucking A. Okay, so she goes to witness her own funeral. <laughs> And she calls, she calls fucking Felix, who answers the phone while Vic is reading some kind of nice letter about her. And he's just talking on the fucking phone like it's no big deal. And I don't know, it killed me because Vic at some point is like, hey man, are, are you busy? Is, are you too busy for this right now? Because of course the guy who thinks their friend is actually fucking dead is looking at his other friend like, what the fuck are you doing being so rude right now? Meanwhile, Felix is being a catty bitch to, to uh, Sarah. To Sarah. And... 
mostly he's upset that she is so willing to peace out. And it seems to be a common trend for her is that she comes into his life for a little bit and then disappears for a few years. Because that's what happens when you're a con woman. You can't stay in one place too long. And he's also mad that like he, she just left her daughter at one point to go do whatever the fuck it is that she did. We don't know yet because it's the pilot episode. And he tried to make some jibe at her too about like, you know, have you thought about this might be your missing family? All foster kids want to know their missing family. And she's like, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't care. I'm not special. Whatever. As a character in the situation would be like. So she's like, okay, funeral done. Whatever. Goes back to her car. And then there is a German woman who looks and sounds a lot like her, but with a German accent. And she recognizes Sarah as Elizabeth and is like, you were supposed to meet me. What happened? What changed? I had the stuff. What happened? And Sarah's like, hey, yeah, 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 sorry, I got busy trying to brush it off. Like, this isn't the weirdest fucking thing in the world. And then Katya has a, like, a, a, a good line of, it's like clearly a code phrase. Just one, I'm few. No family, too. Who am I? And of course, Sarah's like, oh, what? And she's like, oh, you're not Beth. And then before she can get any matter at Sarah slash Elizabeth, she just gets shot in the fucking head, right through the car window, splatter, dead in the backseat. And the gunshots keep going as they try to shoot Sarah slash Elizabeth. She ducks down, of course, is driving the car, taking off. They think that they get away or she thinks she gets away. And in the backseat... Next to Katya's fucking corpse is the pink phone that she also has ringing. She's panic driving, panic driving. And then when that phone call ends, her pink phone, Sarah slash Elizabeth's pink phone, starts going off. And she picks up the phone as she's panic driving and it says, hello. And that's the end of the episode. So I'm really fucking excited to watch more. (laughs) They got me good with that cliffhanger. Yeah. (laughs) Like the fact that they introduced the identical person. Again, I think they're clones. I can't can't quite remember the identical person within the first two minutes of the show i mean i I like when pilots just kick it off like oh hey here's the fucking plot have Mm -hmm. at it i i'm usually a pretty big fan of that and there's just enough of this weird i'm not sure if sci-fi is the right word for it but so it's definitely not supernatural but this this bizarre world happening and sarah's just kind of brushing it off like yeah this is crazy but i can use it to my advantage maybe but she clearly has no idea she's out of her depth and is getting to something much much deeper than than she probably ever intended because again she just wanted to steal seventy five thousand dollars and peace out with her daughter and her best friend as we all do so so yeah i know i know there's a few more characters that come up that's not just allison katya obviously uh, and, and elizabeth that come along that look like her too i know very little about the show besides i know there's some conspiracy and <laughs> she there's a lot of people who look like her. And of course, it's the same actress acting as all these characters. And I think that's really cool. Uh, just seeing her explore that depth. Pilot episode, you don't get a whole lot of it. It's just a lot of clippets of these other personalities. But I imagine the show goes on, you really see her thrive in these different perspectives or these different kinds of characters. Yeah, so that was the show. That was the pilot. I liked it mm. a whole, whole bunch. I look forward to watching more. I don't know. Do you have any questions? Any curiosities? Um, I'm super curious to watch this fucking show now. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds wicked goddamn clever, which I'm always a fan of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listening to you run through the episode got me, like, hooked on that fucking cliffhanger. <laughs> like, I want to watch episode two now, even though I should just rewatch episode one. Rewatch? I, that was a poor, poor summary. You should definitely watch the first episode, because the cinematography is really good, uh, the acting is solid. It's 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 good. It's a good little show. I would recommend it to you, bud. I'm excited. I'm trying to think because you talked about sad dad tropes. I really like con man tropes. Like, yep. I, I thoroughly enjoy heist movies. I'm trying to think of like specific though, besides Ocean's Eleven, other stuff that I consume on a regular basis, particularly TV. I think maybe that's some of why I like the trope, and particularly like heists in general. It's such a very specific genre, like mm-hmm. the Italian Job. I really liked Ocean's 8, even though I know I probably shouldn't. It's just, there's the music that goes along with it. There's the same cast of characters. I love big casts. And this kind of falls in that in the sense of like, there's going to be a lot of characters, but they're not going to be all involved in her con, obviously. But I just, I think it's always so clever how criminals think. Maybe that's it. I just really like crime. Mm -hmm. Seeing how they take advantage of people in really simple ways. It's not super malicious, usually. It's not like they're being mean it's just like oh yeah i know how people operate so if i say this right thing it shouldn't be an issue and it never is because it's hollywood and why would it be an issue <laughs> i really just have jim gravy still stuck in my head 
And I I like Jim Gravy YouTube video a lot because I think it does a good job of poking fun at the heist tropes. But Spencer, I don't know what other heist shit do I like. I don't know. I think I, I don't know the specifics of your uh I don't I think I don't know the the ins and outs of your curiosity with it. I just know that it exists and that I support it. I don't think I could tell you about your own thing. Well, obviously. No, I'm just I'm trying to think of other like shows that are heist heist shows. That that's more of what I'm asking. That I just um, can't seem to think of on the spot. There aren't There aren't a lot, right? Like I'm not crazy, I'm not just No, there's there's not a lot. Like when you showed me uh the one a few weeks ago, like I was surprised that it existed, period. Like heist is normally like an episode from a different show. Leverage. Yes. Yep. Leverage. Leverage is super good. Um, God, that's... Uh, I probably could do a bunch... Of, oh, okay, I say super good. It's the same super good as like Burn Notice and White Collar. It's okay in short doses. If you sit and binge it, you're going to realize how awful the show is. Poor, poor dialogue, so on and so forth. But that's really cool too in Leverage where it's a bunch of criminals doing stuff for the good guy. And maybe that's what it is. That I think maybe heists are usually like fucking someone who's rich and mean. And it's not like they're taking advantage of nice, kind people ever. It's usually someone that's that's screwed the group over and they're like, okay, yeah, let's fuck them up because we can. Very Robin Hood-esque. And I've always liked Robin Hood too. I don't know. It's a weird feel-good feeling I get screwing over people who are mean because I don't know. I don't know. I, I, <sighs> I feel like there's that just desserts concept where, you know, sometimes you just have to sit back and know that at some point they're going to get hit by a bus and that's fine. But then there's people who actually have the power to do something about it, at least just to give them a little taste of their own medicine. Like what fucking heist movies? If you steal a bunch of money, like, that's just a bunch of money gone. You can earn more money. It's usually more about wounding their pride. And they don't usually kill people. It's just knocking them out. Right? Like, it's just, it's it's wholesome. It's wholesome crime, I guess. And the, the cheeky banter, I think that's a huge part of it. Usually roguish characters have cheeky banter that I am obsessed with. Just quick mm -hmm. one-liners that go back and forth. I will watch fucking Edgar Wright movies all the time for quick, quick banter. So those, like, two things get to morph together. So... I would say Orphan Black doesn't have a whole lot of cute banter that goes back and forth because it's a pretty serious show. But seeing, I mean, I don't think we see a whole lot of con women in shows either. We usually see con. You men. are right. So mm -hmm. seeing a woman do the same thing, like, and that's really it. It's just if you placed her with a man, it would be the same thing. Swear to God. And I also feel like con women, when they do show up, aren't well written. Right? They're usually a foil to the con man, to be like, oh, ha, look, I am pretty and smarter than you, but am I? I'm madly in love with you, so of course I'm going to put aside my own aspirations so I can be with you, the better con man. No, like, that's not how it fucking works, man. Probably women are better con women because we know how not to get caught. <laughs> but this is a really well-rounded character and flawed. I think Sarah's are just a deeply flawed character. And I'm interested to see how much more fucked up she gets, in a way. Again, her just being like, yeah, I'm going to steal a bunch of money, kidnap my daughter, and my best friend you're coming with, right? Like, no fucking hesitation at all. She just assumes he's coming with her, not asking what he's doing with his life, not, like, caring about what partner he has. It's just that I'm here now, so you're, you're with me now. I think flawed characters are very interesting, and they should be interesting. It's not just a lack of sympathy. It's like, oh, wow, look at this person fucking up. Good job. <laughs> Good job on fucking up. Gosh. Uh, I'm trying to think, because you had questions for me at the end, and I'm trying to think, but, like, I think you kind of, like, answered your own? I have a tendency to do that. I'm sorry, man. That's why no, I should just give you an option to be, be like, sorry. hey, ask, ask me questions, because otherwise I will just fill up airtime. No, and it's good, because I think you asked yourself better questions than I could have. Oh, I'm not sure about that. You're smart. You know how to ask shit. Gosh, I, uh... What else do we got? What do you mean? In In terms of, like, uh... Because normally we tack on, like, a big conversation at the end, but I think... I think that's usually because you go last, and I ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I like going first. It's a Do good you? change in pace. That, that's, like, the last few ones, you're like, no, you definitely go first, definitely, definitely you. Yeah, but then I got out of my comfort zone, and I feel like, I feel like we, we just ran, like, a really concise, decent episode. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we're getting the hang of it, man. I like the growing period and a new show. Totally. Spencer, I'm glad you're doing this with me. This is fun. I'm glad that I'm doing it with you because my homework is to watch fucking good TV. <laughs> okay, so speaking of good TV, I'm pretty sure the next thing we're watching is not good TV. At least not what I've recommended for you. Sorry, bud. Uh, next episode, we're doing anime, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. So I get it. I'm trying. We're trying to provide you a nice aspect of just a bunch of different shows because I don't think Spencer and I really discriminate. At we least do I not. 
I, I'll try to watch something at least once. So we're not complete weebs. Are people who are super into anime, as far as I'm aware, Spencer, are you are you super into anime? <laughs> I I am not. I there, I like a lot of anime, but I intentionally do things to separate myself from weebs. <laughs> I know for myself, I like not spoiling too much. I'm sure we'll have a great anime discussion at the beginning of next episode. But I watch Sailor Moon and Magical Girl stuff. And that's kind of my genre. That's usually what I stick to or slice of life. And so what I provided for Spencer was a slice of life show. And buddy, if you haven't watched it already, I'm sorry. Because it's it's not great. <laughs> I'm, I was planning on watching it either tonight or tomorrow night when I'm home. What was the show that Haley had us watch that was very slice of life? Oh, Nichijo? Yeah. Okay. So I feel like it was Nichijo before, um, before Nichijo. Where it, Lucky Star is just this kind of student life. There's no real plot purpose. It's just kind of fun and carefree. But like where I feel like Nichijou has some like actual wholesome moments. Like, oh man, that's some really cute lines. This is just directly, oh, hey, you're following some student's life and there's nothing that interesting that happens. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have to let me know when we get there. And I'm watching My Hero Academia. Yep, which is, it's like the people who haven't watched it yet do it like they're, they either are not into anime or they're like, oh, it's overrated. It is definitely popular. It is fucking popular. But I am of the strong opinion that it is for a good reason. It is... I really, really like superheroes, but I think our superhero culture has been warped by Marvel movies, where now superheroes are about cool costumes and powers. My Hero Academia is a show where, like, over 90% of people are born with some sort of superpower. Everybody has a costume. Everybody can do anything. So it's like, okay, well, if everybody's super, then what is a hero? So even though it's like, it's Naruto done better. It's Naruto done so much better where everyone's a ninja. So it's like, well, what is a master ninja then? Like, are you actually a badass just because you know these things that everyone knows? So my hero, it's, it's not about the costumes and the flash and the fight scenes. It's about, like... Okay, maybe having a costume and powers aren't enough to be a hero in society. So it's like really delving into that question of, man, what does this buzzword mean anymore? <laughs> and it's real good. I like it a whole lot, but it's definitely my brand. Okay. I, I am eager to watch it. Yeah. And, and, and we'll be back to at least for a few episodes here of exchanging pilot episodes of shit that we want to force each other to watch. Because that's what friendship yeah. is, Spencer. Sit down Absolutely. and watch this shitty show with me. Or I'll just see it and then, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, I'm so, excited. hey guys, let us know your thoughts. You can tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. Ba-bow! Ba-bow! Ba-bow!